we have to change our own story. What are we telling ourselves about the value of what we are offering? Because the thing is, your clients and customers don't tell you what your products and services are worth. You tell them. Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. Bruce Lee said, absorb what is useful, discard what is not, add what is uniquely your own. And Babe Ruth said, don't let the fear of striking out hold you back. This is episode 127 with professional basketball player, author, and TEDx speaker, Dre Baldwin. And Dre is going to share with us how we can work on our game to be more successful in our lives. And if you hear anything you like, make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. I was always into sports growing up. You know, played a little bit of football. Never officially got into it because my family couldn't afford the equipment. Played a little bit of baseball, but I didn't really have talent for it. So I eventually walked away from that. Stumbled upon basketball was around age 14, which is actually pretty late for anyone who wants to go somewhere playing that sport. College, let alone the pros. But I decided that basketball was going to be my thing. Didn't make my high school team until I was a senior. Didn't really play that much that one year. I scored like two points per game, which is a lot of you playing hockey or soccer, but it's not a lot for basketball. So uh, in college, I knew I was going to college just based off of you know academics. I wanted to go to college just as a person, but I wasn't I didn't have any scholarship. I wasn't invited to play on a college basketball team. So the only way I could play in college was to what they call walking on, which means you're not invited. Nobody knows who you are. No scholarships. So I walked on at a division three college was the third tier of college sports. So people who don't know college sports, the March Madness, those guys, that's D1. And we're down in the basement, division three. So I played D3 college basketball, um, didn't set the world on fire, but I was OK. But when I graduated, I didn't have any pro basketball prospects. I wanted to play pro when I knew my career would probably take me overseas because I didn't have any. It's not like the Lakers were trying to sign me or anything. So. I knew I could play professional basketball, but it'll probably be, be taking me abroad overseas. So a year removed from graduation, I went to this event called Exposure Camp, which is basically a job fair, but it's for athletes. And at Exposure Camps for athletes, instead of just showing up and talking about what you can do, you actually bring your sneakers and you show what you can do. So in that venue, just a whole bunch of basketball players who all are either already playing pro or they want to play pro. And sitting in the stands are a bunch of decision makers from the pro basketball world agents, coaches, scouts, managers, owners from basketball teams all over the world, they come to these events looking for talent. So it's basically like a, like a casting call, basically, but for athletes. So I went to this event. It was in Orlando, Florida, and a couple of college teams rented a car in Philly, drove to Orlando, 19 hours, uh, played at this event. It was only two days. And I played really well at that event. And basically those two days superseded everything I had done in four years in college because those people got to see me in person do my thing. So what I did in those two days basically made rendered the last four years a moot point. And I was able to sign with an agent for my performance there. And an agent in the basketball world works the same way that agents work in the literary world or acting in TV is that they're the middleman between the jobs and the talent. So my agent was able to help me get my first pro contract, which was playing in Countess Lithuania. And that was in 2005, just to give everybody a timeline. here. Now, the footage from my performance at that exposure camp, you get the footage from the camp because every player wants that because that's their proof. They're a good player. This is me playing against pro level competition and playing well. So that footage was on this thing called a VHS tape. Chris, you remember those? VHS oh, yeah. tapes? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So 
Yeah, so any if any Gen Zers watching this is ask your parents or Google it, you can see what a VHS tape is. So I took that VHS tape and I, I knew that you know, if you drop a VHS tape or it gets wet or it gets hot, even the sun gets destroyed. So I knew I needed to safe keep that footage because this is the most important footage I had. So I took it to an audiovisual store. They put it on a data CD, put that CD in a desktop computer and I uploaded it to this brand new website called YouTube. And that was a website that allowed you, according to what I had heard, I didn't know, it was just rumors, that you could put as much footage up there for free as you wanted. It turns out it was true. So I put that video on YouTube and now I'm still playing basketball overseas. So this YouTube thing was an afterthought. It was just somewhere to keep my footage. But what happened is a couple years, not even a year, but a few months later, I went back and checked on that footage. And what happened is there were comments on my video. I mean, random people on the internet have left comments saying things like, hey, who taught you how to play? Or how often do you practice? Or can you make more videos about how to, how to dribble or how to dunk or how to play defense? And what I realized was that these players were not going on the internet looking for Dre Baldwin. They were just going on the internet looking for anyone who could teach them how to play basketball. And I just happened to be the only person out there putting out a workout video of a basketball player. And I guess they looked at me playing. And they said, all right, this guy looks competent, so maybe he can help us. Not like they were looking for me. You know, so I realized that this was an underserved market of players. They were just like me in that they wanted to learn how to play, but they didn't have anyone to teach them. Whereas me, a decade earlier... I didn't have anywhere to go to get that information. They could go to the Internet and crowdsource the information. So here I was and I was able to serve them. So I basically had two careers going at the same time. And again, this is mid 2000s. This is no there was no money to be made by posting videos on YouTube. There was no such thing as social media. Facebook wasn't yet out. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have Twitter. We weren't using phrases like social media. We didn't have influencers. None of those things existed. But I kept putting the videos up just because I said, OK, I go to the gym every day anyway. So I have a camera. I'll just bring the camera to film myself and put it on YouTube. Who cares? Uh, at that time, what was YouTube? It was, you know, your baby did something funny or you know, cats jumping up the curtains. That was that was all YouTube was. Yeah, it wasn't until about five years later, around 2010. I'm still playing overseas, but this is when you know, YouTube is bought by Google. And now you can make some money from ad revenue. And I found myself kind of I would be in and out of jobs in pro basketball the same way. Maybe, you know, somebody's an actor. They might have a job. Then they go become a waiter. Then they're acting and they get a gig and then they're back you know, doing something, driving Uber. So I was in and out of jobs and I was like, all right, how can I get control of my career? So I asked myself a key question, Chris. And this is the question that really got me in that entrepreneurial mindset, which was how can I take something that I love doing, which is playing ball somewhere where I have some natural talent? which was I always had this inclination for the internet and computers. And the third thing was, how can I make money from it? So I was looking for the intersection of those three things, play ball, internet, make money. How can I do this? Now, while today in 2021, that seems like a no brainer. In 2008, 2009, this was a tough question. And so I, I had just finished reading uh, some Tim Ferriss work. I don't know if it was in his four hour work week book or maybe it was on his blog. But he had some examples of how you could test out the market viability of a product. I did it. I started selling $4.99 basketball training programs on a one-page website in 2009. That's how I became an entrepreneur, making and selling my own stuff. I had sold stuff on eBay back in college, but this is the first time I sold my own stuff, stuff that I created from scratch. So I remember when I made that first sale, Chris, I used to have the BlackBerry phones. You remember the BlackBerries? <laughs> my father-in-law still so uses them. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I got a the little red light was blinking on my BlackBerry, indicating that I had an email and the email said you made a sale. Somebody bought your product and it's four dollars ninety nine cents. And I said that this is going to be what I can do for the rest of my life, because athletes 
many athletes don't think about it consciously, but as an athlete, I was conscious enough to understand there's a shelf life to playing ball. Right? You can't run past and jump over everybody forever. Eventually, you can't do it anymore. So what else am I going to bring to the table? And one other thing I'll tell you here is that around that same time, around 2009, these players who were watching me on YouTube, basketball players, they learned a little bit about my story, what I just told you, like how I barely played in high school, walked on in college. And many of them would relate to me because they would say, well, Dre, I got cut from my high school team, too. Or, you know, I don't have a scholarship to college either. So, you know, how did you do it? You became pro. I want to do the same thing you did. How can you do it? So they would ask me just what was my mentality around that? So I'll start talking about things like discipline, showing up every day and working on your game and how to have the confidence to perform when the lights come on. It's one thing to practice by yourself. Another thing when the coaches are watching and you got two days in Orlando to basically save your career. Or they would ask, you know, how did you keep going when nobody around you believed in you and there was nothing in your reality that said you were going to make it? I started talking mental toughness. Or they would ask how I got started getting known online. By this point, now people are like, wait a minute, I could make money on the Internet. This guy's already doing it. So they asked me about that. So when I started talking about the elements around those questions in my content, I used to do these videos every Monday called the Weekly Motivation. I did that every Monday for about 400 weeks in a row on YouTube. And those videos laid the foundation for the philosophy that I didn't even know I was building in, but now I talk about it on purpose. It's called work on your game and work on your game is all about taking the mental tools to help you get to the top 1% in the sports world and utilizing those same tools in the business world and in everyday life. So when I stopped playing ball in 2015, I already knew because I already had a runway. I already knew exactly what I was going to do because I'd already been talking mindset for five or six years by that point. So I figured, I knew because people would reach out to me and say, Dre, I don't, I don't even play ball, but I subscribe to you on YouTube because when you talk about mindset, that stuff, everybody needs that. It's not just for athletes. I, I, don't, I don't play ball at all, but I listen to those weekly motivations. So I knew that I could serve people who never picked up a basketball with the same material when I was outside of the sports world. Because, Chris, I don't know if a lot of your audience knows, but a lot of athletes, when they stop playing their sport, uh, they wake up the next day and don't know what to do. So I already, yeah, I already had a plan in my mind five years before I stopped playing what exactly I was going to do. And I was already serving those people before I stopped playing basketball. So when I stopped, all I had to do was just put more time and effort into what I was already doing. And, you know, long story long, now here we are, 2021. Man, that is like, I don't think people under it, but if you're listening to this right now, like, Dre is smart. <laughs> like you can just listening to this. If you don't pick up on that, like th it's blowing my mind. So, wow. Coming from not a uh, family can't, can't afford football gear, things like that. To, so finding basketball mm -hmm. to, to not really playing at all to, you know, walking on in college like that alone, like mm -hmm. props to you for keep going, but continuing on, like and getting in this two day event and, and and showing up and getting this overseas opportunity, but then on top of that, having the wherewithal to say, "Hey, this new internet thing, there's something here, and I have a talent. Let me mesh this together and build something else because basketball doesn't live forever." How old were you when you played overseas? When you started thinking this online stuff? I got my first job. I was twenty three. <laughs> At 23, you're thinking this way. That's phenomenal. Uh, at, at 23, I was just like, okay, I'm, I, I'm just starting my job. Cool. <laughs> All right. 
and uh, I'm 30 now and have been doing entrepreneurship for about a year now, a year and a half. And it's like, how old are you now, Dre? Are you around 30? 39. 39. Okay. Wow. Yeah. See, I would have guessed younger, yeah. which so I was it's, 23 in, in 2005. 2005. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That makes sense. But like just to connect all those dots and see all that, how you did, that takes a lot. Um, and yeah. that's really uh, uh, just a testament. And you started niche down too. There's so much to unpack. My mind just kind of like blowing right now because you started like serving <laughs> basketball players. Like that was your niche helping people improve basketball skills, things like that. And then it moved to, okay, basketball people wanting to do overseas. And then it got to like just the mindset, the the mental tools work on your game, which is more broad. And that's exactly like the process we should take as entrepreneurs, be specific. And then as you are serving that audience, it's going to expand naturally almost to a wider right. audience as you grow. And so it just, amazing yeah. just right there in this beginning of what you shared just in your story but uh so thank you for sharing that it's just um perfectly laid out like what can happen if you just stick with it work on your game like we're gonna dig into uh and just like plan and work towards something bigger um so that that's just really cool so with working on your game i know you talked about the mental tools the confidence, you know, the mindset type things. How do you help entrepreneurs now with this working on their game? What does that look like? Well, entrepreneurs will come to me for one of two things. There are some entrepreneurs who are looking for the business side of stuff. They may come to me because they want to kind of do similar to what I'm doing and similar to what you're doing. Chris. They want to build a brand. They want to have a name. They might want to start a podcast or they want to write a book or they want to, you know, get clients and they want to do things like that. So they look for someone who's already doing it that they can relate to and they reach out to them. So some entrepreneurs come to me specifically for that. But there are also many people from many walks of life who come to me just for they're just looking for that mindset thing, because no matter what kind of business you do, every business has challenges. Right? Just like being an athlete, there, there are long days in being an entrepreneur, especially when you're trying to get something off the ground or something was working now is not or something hasn't worked yet and you're trying to make it work and you need that discipline, confidence, mental toughness. You need those things no matter what you do. So people usually, Chris, find me through the mindset stuff. And then when they find out that I do the business, then they'll ask me about the business things. But often people find me specifically through the things that I'm talking about mentally. And then when they see how I use it to apply it to my work, then they will ask me more stuff about the specifically the work stuff but most of the people who are they stay with me for a long time it's mindset that's and the awesome. business is kind of like a i kind of say as a bonus not, that's not the right <laughs> word but yeah people come to me for the mindset stuff that's and that's a huge that's one of the biggest things that, that one people struggle with to to really get a hold of and that really holds them back from from their potential from their success is the mindset stuff uh, so that's a great yeah. place to start and draw people in. And and what you something really resonated with me. I jotted down while you're talking about your story, sharing your story was uh, that those two days in Orlando superseded all the four years of your career prior to that in basketball, those two days. 100%. And right. it's like in any journey, like it just 
you could you could be at it four years trying to build something and you're getting results here and there and it's and it and then eventually you just have a moment where it starts it clicks and it's it's going mm -hmm. but if you quit short of those two days you know you, you could miss out on, on your big chance kind of like what you had like maybe if you guys were like no you know it's not worth the 19 hour drive you know we're not you know that mindset mm -hmm. if it wasn't there you miss that chance and who knows what happens Exactly. Or if it's not worth the, the $250 that I had to scrape up to pay the entry fee to get into the event. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right that all that time in college and all those things is something that actually, I actually just posted this on my Instagram the other day is that the most lucrative moments in your career are the moments when you perform, right? You get on the stage, you give a speech, you play in a game, you do great. You give, you get on somebody's show and you sound great and people love you and you make new fans. Those are the moments where you get paid and recognized and you get the trophy. But most important moments, and it's a completely different thing, the most important moments are the moments where you're losing, when nothing's working, when you put out a product, nobody buys it. You put out you know, an email, nobody opens it. You're trying something and it's just not working at all. And reality is sucking you in the face and you might as well quit. It's those moments where your discipline is tested, where your mental toughness is tested, where Yet the world is asking you, OK, I'm giving you all these reasons to quit. Are you going to quit or are you going to keep going? Because those are the moments that build you as a person. And that, those are the moments that make you ready for the opportunities to win. But you never get to the opportunity to win if you don't go through the moments that build you as a person. So what I like to say is the successful moments build your bank account and your brand, but the losing moments build you. And usually those are never happening at the exact same time. You're either building yourself or you're building your brand. And when your brand's not working, you're getting built. And when you're and when your brand's getting built, you're not usually not working on yourself, right? Because you're basking in the success of your greatness. Right. But that's awesome. no, <laughs> that's, usually not happening at the same time. It's one of that's those. a great, yeah, a great point. Uh, that hmm. like fail fast, you know, accept your failures, learn they're a stepping stone, all of that goes towards. Exactly. Uh, you know, that success, because we, we got to go through it. The obstacle is the way, right? When you have those hard times, like, well, how exactly. do you how do you approach it? Um, and that's just uh, I, I'm curious. So you have this like just this this knowledge this these smarts, this wherewithal, whatever you want to call it, like uh, just how you have built stuff. Where did you get that from? Who like did someone rub off on you when you're a kid that gate like do you take after somebody? I don't know. It's just, it's just your mindset and, and how you see things, even at that young age. I just wonder who kind of you looked up to that kind of gave you that push in that direction at all. Oh, that's a good question. I can't credit any one individual person, but I will tell you some things that kind of pieced it together. So one thing, Chris, is that I've always been the type of person who, you know, in school, when you're in middle school or something, they say you're the you're the oddball. You're the one who everybody in the room thinking this way, but you're like, well, wait a minute. What about this way? I'm that type of person. So people would say that's, that's say they would say being contrarian, you know, back in the days as if something's wrong with you. But I would think, well, no, something wrong with you all because y'all all had the same opinion. So I was I was always that type of person. Number one, I always thought like that. And that's why I started blogging. I was blogging actually before I got on YouTube, but the blog didn't catch on. YouTube caught on. I still blog to this day, but I didn't get known from blogging. I got known from YouTube. But the thing is, I was always writing because I always felt like I had a perspective that was different from most of the people around me. and I wanted to share it. So that's what led me to the Internet. The other thing is I do have to give credit to my parents because my mother's an educator. So she had my sister who's a year older than me and me. She had us reading and writing from a young age before we started school officially. 
we knew how to read and write. We were kind of ahead of the curve because my mom was really big on education. So because of that upbringing, I was always into reading and writing. So I was always into reading. I, I'm a bookworm. I read a lot. I listen to a lot of audio books these days because I'm busy. But same thing, still a lot of reading and writing. And the third thing was when I was about 2021, 20, I got I saw this bulletin board piece on my campus that said, hey, make extra money on the side, unlimited income potential. So I called the little phone number, went to this little meeting and this guy was doing network marketing. And I had never heard of network marketing. And I didn't stay in network marketing, but I did go to a few of the meetings when I got back home to Philadelphia in the summertime. And this is something that I've talked about to my audience. One of the great greatest benefits that I got from my experience, my brief experience in network marketing, didn't make any money, probably spent more than I made. But the best thing I got from it was they introduced me to this concept called personal development. I never heard that phrase before. So when we would go to the meetings, every meeting, some, whoever was on the stage, they would say, hey, make sure when you leave, you stop by the little table outside the room and you get the book to get the personal development. And they would drop these names I never heard of. They said Brian Tracy and Jim Rohn and Napoleon Hill and Tony Robbins. And I said, who are these people? I never heard of them before. And I would go and look at the books. I didn't buy them. I didn't have any money. But I remember the names. So then when I got back to school, I was on eBay. Now, this is before Amazon was Amazon. So I would go on eBay and I looked up a couple of these books because I would remember the names and they kept saying these same names. So I looked up Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, and I bought the book for 99 cents on eBay. It was like a, a Word document because, you know, Think and Grow Rich is out of print. So anybody can basically reprint it and sell it, basically. So it's legal to do that. So I bought the book for 99 cents. And then there was this other guy that kept saying uh, Robert Kiyosaki and he had a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I only bought the books because I remembered the titles. They just sounded intriguing. You know, they both were talking about money. All right, rich dad, poor dad, and thinking grow rich. So I said, all right, let me read these books because nobody's ever told me these philosophies. And when I went to the network marketing meetings, they were explaining these concepts of entrepreneurship. Now, I had never been taught entrepreneurship. My parents were both full for their full time work was being employees. They did some dabbling in entrepreneurship. But they didn't really stay in it. And on top of that, they never said to us, to their kids, like, hey, this is what it means to be an entrepreneur. Here's how you do it. Here's the mentality. They didn't have that mentality. I didn't have any entrepreneurs around me, at least not anybody who was willing to talk about it. So when I was 20 years old and I heard these network marketers talking about entrepreneurship, even though I didn't do network marketing, the principles that they explained about entrepreneurship, I said, this makes sense. And it's like you can go to sleep and then you wake up in the morning, you have more money. I said, you can't do that when you have a job. I said, OK, I want to do this. Like, I don't know if I'm going to do it with this product and this type of company, but I want to do it. So then when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I mean, just the first chapter of the book, what the guy's explaining, don't work for money. No matter how high the salary is, you have to understand making money work for you is a different is a different mentality. It's not about the dollar. It's about the mentality. And when I read those books, I said, OK, this is exactly what I want to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know I'm going to do it. And mind you, this is before I even went overseas. So I knew that when I got out of college, Chris, I was going to play basketball professionally. I knew that was my next step. But I also knew I couldn't play basketball forever. So when I get done playing ball, I'm going to go into this entrepreneurship thing. And then Napoleon Hill, his book wasn't about being an entrepreneur. His book was all about the mentality. He was just explained that the way that you think, the way that you talk to yourself is the most important thing that happens in your life because you can literally alter your life by changing your self-conversation and changing the things you say about yourself and change the way you think. And I thought to myself, that makes perfect sense. And I started using some of the stuff that he was saying and it was working. And then I started looking around the people around me 
And I realized the, the inverse of what he was saying was also true. The people who were messing themselves up is because of their self-conversation and people that they associate with. And all these laws that he would talk about, they all made perfect sense when I would look around in my own life and I said, okay, whatever personal development is, I need to get more of it. So whatever book they would mention, I would get that one. And then I would get that one. And I would just look at the bibliography, whatever, whoever they mentioned, I would get that next book. And I just kept doing it. And this expanded my mind to this whole world. And now here we are. I am in the personal development world. I make personal development myself. So when I came across it, it was something that I always had an inclination for, but I didn't know where it was at. So that chance meeting of looking for unlimited income potential that led me to this place that I am now. It's crazy how things can, can, you know, the pieces, like looking back, how it connected, like on our journeys and stuff. Right. And it's just a crazy, uh, amazing thing. Uh, so yeah, I, I love it. I just, mm -hmm. I love seeing where people come from and what kind of led them on a deeper level like that. And so, so working on your game again, we, we talk about people come to you for mindset. So how can mm -hmm. we, uh, if we're looking to develop our minds better, have that more strong, positive mindset, what do you lead or, or what are some ways that you coach or guide people in, in improving their mindset? Wow. That's a, a big question. <laughs> it depends. It depends. Yeah. That's the, the first, that's the first answer. And what the first thing that I do with someone is I ask them specifically, you know, what's, what's a challenge that they're dealing with or what's something that they feel like they really need. So Chris, let me just ask you as an example, what's something that you know, one of your clients or someone in your audience would need so I can, we can get specific on something. Talked to a guy the other day. He he's trying to figure out how to price his program. He doesn't feel like he can charge a higher amount. Um, so I think mm -hmm. maybe confidence is is kind of is wavering there and, and seeing the value in his thing. So so having the confidence to price his product what it should be. Okay, great. I was actually it's funny, I was on a, a mastermind that I'm a part of. Someone on our call was saying the exact same thing that you just said that they're about to put out a product and their challenge is how much do I charge? Cause I don't think people are willing to pay this amount or this amount. And the, the answer to it, the short answer is price is a story. Price is not a price is not logical. Price is emotional. And it's a story. In other words, the reason why a smart car costs $12,000, but a Lamborghini costs 250,000 is just because of the story that smart car tells and the story that Lamborghini tells. What's the difference between the cars? There is a difference, but it's not, $200,000 of difference. Differences in the story that they tell about each other, though the story that they tell about themselves. So for that guy or this person who's in my mastermind group, the number one thing they need to work on before they even think about the customer and what the customer has in their pockets. And it's funny, us entrepreneurs, once we realize this, that people have a lot more in their pockets than we think they do when we change our story, is we have to change our own story. What are we telling ourselves about the value of what we are offering? Because the thing is, your clients and customers don't tell you what your products and services are worth. You tell them what it's worth. And your prices are not about what you think other people have. Your prices are a filter, which is basically how you decide who you want to work with. So if you want to work with $100 people, then you sell a $100 product. You want to work with $1,000 people, then you sell a $1,000 product. You want to work with million-dollar people, you sell a million-dollar product. Your prices are just a filter. And if you are charging X, but you're not able to get it, that's simply because the story you're telling yourself is that you are not worth X. It has nothing to do with the customers because are, is there another entrepreneur out there selling a product for 10 times X and they're getting it? Yes. Okay. Then that means then the money's out there. The problem is not the customers. The problem is not the market. And it's usually not even the product. The problem, if we want to call it a problem, the thing that's to address is the person that's selling it. 
So as long as you believe you are worth X, it will be easy for you to go get X, whatever it happens to be. So the number one thing that I would tell anyone who's having that issue when it comes to pricing their offerings is we got to look at we got to look at you looking at yourself in the mirror. Do you actually believe that you're worth that amount? Or do you believe you've invested enough in yourself to be worth that? And when it's coming from your inner being that you believe you're worth it, then people will gladly pay it because it, I mean, 90 percent of communication is nonverbal, right? It's not in what we say or the numbers on a page. It's do people believe you and people only believe you when you believe you. So it really starts with that. And that's the mental condition is the way we condition ourselves on a day to day basis. And that's yeah, spot on. I, I love it. And it's funny that you already had that conversation in a mastermind. But how so how can now that that individual um how would you guide him on, on seeing his value now uh, mm -hmm. working on that kind of the value in his mind, that confidence? Well, the first thing people need, because a lot of people ask about confidence, you know, and I, first thing I tell people was discipline creates confidence. All right. The most disciplined people, you know, are usually the most confident people and vice versa. Most confident people are usually the most disciplined. And what is confidence? It's a belief in your ability to do something. And where do you get your belief in your ability to do something is because you have been doing it because, you know, you put in the work. It's just like a basketball player is willing to take the last shot because they know they've worked on that shot over and over again. Make or miss. They're OK with taking it, even if they miss, because they know they've earned the right to take it. So it's the same thing with an entrepreneur. They want to build up the confidence to charge, let's say, a thousand dollars for a product when they usually have been charging one hundred dollars for the product. Well, first of all, are you having thousand dollar conversations with thousand dollar people? That's the first thing you got to ask yourself. Are you a thousand dollar person? Are you presenting yourself as that type of person? Think about your ideal customer who you want to sell to. Do you look like and present yourself like the type of person that that person will want to talk to? Does your website look like it? Does your product look like it? Are your marketing materials like that? Are you having that type of conversation and are you expecting to get it? And what I tell people, one another thing that I tell people in life, Trish, is that in the long run of life, you become your expectations. Whatever you expect, you get. So if you're expecting people to say no, then they're going to be saying no. And if you expect them to say yes, then they're going to be saying yes. And you'll figure out a way to get to that. Yes. If it's what you truly expect. So that's where I would start with people when it comes to building that confidence as far as that amount. And on a more tangible, tactical level is getting a person used to even just saying the number. All right. You want to charge how much? All right. Say that to me with a straight face right now. That That's how much it costs. And ask me for the money. And usually you'll find a lot of people aren't even willing to say it, even though they want to charge it. They can't even say it out of their mouths, but then they're like, well, I don't think anybody's going to pay it. Of course, you wouldn't even pay it. You don't even believe yourself. So that's why I, I say with all of this stuff, kind of like what you talked about at the beginning, is it all starts from the inside out. And that's the, the whole thing. You start with who you are as a person and how you're talking to yourself. Then we can slowly move out layer by layer to get into the outside world. Yeah, I, again, we're spot on yet. Yeah, it all starts with us internally. And I think there are so many blocks that we have to overcome as entrepreneurs along our journey. I know that there are many that I had to overcome uh, just to get where I am right now. And there are going to be more as I continue on. It's just part of the journey. But being willing and disciplined to work on those, put in the work, put in the reps to get through that, to build that confidence, I think is a really crucial part Um and I mean, you, you hear it I mean, all the time when you listen about Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant and even LeBron, like just the reps that they put in in their craft, like mm -hmm. to be able to be the one to put in that final shot, to, to have the confidence 
the people would almost, almost, they would probably think they were cocky or, you know, uh, self-absorbed, but they just had that confidence because they knew the work they put into it. Um, and, and that translated over into their performance and into their confidence in it. Right, exactly. And it's putting in those reps over and over again, builds that, builds that confidence because you know, yeah. you have done work. Discipline creates the confidence and the more confident you are. Usually the more disciplined you are, unless it's fake confidence, but that'll get knocked <laughs> down pretty quickly. Though, like oh yeah. Cards. And it's like, I actually just, it just posted recently today, actually this quote I saw and it says, confidence is not, I hope they like me. Confidence is I'll be okay if they don't. And I think that's another part that that's plays right. into it. Like we can take the nose, we can right. take, you know, the, the negativity um, because we know who we are. We have the confidence and, and know the value pro we provide. Right. And it's another thing, especially if we're talking something like price or anything involving money is your willingness to walk away. So if you want to, let's say you've been charging $500, but maybe you want to charge 800. Are you willing to say no to the next person that comes to you offering five? Because now you say your price is 800. Are you willing to walk away from it? Because if you're not willing to walk away from $500, then you are not an $800 product. You are only an $800 product when you refuse to accept anything less than $800. So if you accept $500, then you're a $500 product. Nothing wrong with that, but let's just be clear where we're at because you can't get to where we're going. We don't know where we're at. You know, it's like you buy a plane ticket. You can't say you're in Dallas and you're in Seattle. You know, so we got to be clear where we're at. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Like if you're willing to walk away, you detach yourself almost from the from the result because you know the worth, you know the value, and you're like, okay, that's fine. Peace out. Like if that's not, exactly. we're not aligned there. It's not the right time for you. No big deal. Move on. And, um, that was a big one I had to learn early on for sure was just detaching from that result. Like you provide the value, you, you share what you have, you try to help and then you offer. And, and, uh, at the end of the day, that's what the value is. And if they're not ready for it, they're not ready for it. Right. And it's the, the unconscious belief Chris, understanding that saying no to this person doesn't mean you're saying no to the money. It just means you need to go get it from someone else. You need yep. to clear the space and you create the vacuum in your world for that person to walk in. But you can't yep. have that space if you're still filling it with people who are offering you less than what you want. Absolutely. Uh, so good. Mm. So, so work on your game. I mean, we can all do that constantly every day we can, we can work and improve and we got it. We need to, we it's, you know, we're almost, it's part of our obligation to the world to, you know, do our very best to, to leave our positive mark uh, with whatever we're doing. And, and I know Dre, you're doing that, but I'm curious uh, to your answer on this. Uh, I asked my guests, the fifth trait of pencil leadership is that we're all created uniquely with a purpose and potential to leave a positive mark on the world. And so when everything is said and done for you here on earth, what do you hope your positive mark is? Hope that my positive mark is there will be plenty of people who the message that I've given them, whether it's just one word that I gave them or they consumed a thousand videos that I put out or read a couple of my books that they take that message and improve themselves. And then they go and help the next wave get better, that whatever it is that I do lives on after me that there are people still using it, still talking about it, still sharing it in their own way. Because, listen, none of us has an original idea. All right? Everything that all of us talk about 
is a derivative of something that somebody else put out there. We just talk about it in different ways. We give it different names. We come up with no formulas and no brands that around it. But we're all really, when it comes to the principles of success, whether we're talking in business, personal development, basketball, whatever, the principles are all the same. We just talk about them from different angles and in different languages. So I'm hoping that whatever I do and whatever I put out into the world inspires and motivates other people to do their thing and put themselves out into the world to where they can inspire and motivate the next people. Because that's how that's how a that's how a community grows. Any kind of community is that each person is given to the next and one person gives to two and those two each give to two. Then we can expand exponentially. But that's the only way that it works. You can't keep all your all your music inside of you, so to speak. So hopefully I've got enough of my music out of me that it will inspire at least two other people on the planet to, to move on after me and keep going. Well, I, I know you've uh, definitely inspired more than two people. So that ripple is expanding and, and, and ever growing. So that's an amazing thing. And uh, again, it, it was true blessing to have you on the show. Uh, I appreciate you taking time out to share your story about uh, your work, uh, work on your game, the mental tools, mindset, all that. Um, but wh where can people connect with you to find out more about what you're doing, what you have to offer? I know you got your YouTube channel website. So yeah, where can people connect with you? Okay. So my newest book is called the third day. I have it right here. This is a hardcover copy. This book the subtitle is the decision that separates the pros from the amateurs. So the third day is probably my most popular framework. So whenever I give a, a keynote, this is the one thing that people remember. The third day is about any situation in your life where the newness has worn off. The novelty is gone, but there's still a job that needs to be done. And at the point of the third day is that moment when you started a podcast or you started a business or you got into a relationship with someone or you're playing a sport. And it's that day when you realize, oh, this is not all fun and games. Or it's not as it's not as fun as it, it's not as fun as it looked on the TV commercial. Right, there's some actual work that needs to be done here. And you're responsible for doing that work. And the third day is not really about the moment or the situation. The third day is about the decision that you make in that moment. Are you going to show all the way and give your best effort, even though you don't quite feel like it, even though you're not excited anymore, even though it's not no all is no audience watching you, but there's just work to be done. That's it. It's just work. Are you willing to keep showing up doing that work? And that's really what makes a professional. And it's something that I try to tell, especially young athletes, I would tell all the time. What makes you a professional in sports is not having talent. Now, you need talent to get in, but what keeps you in is being consistent is that the team knows exactly what they're going to get from you every single day. If you look at sports, the best players on every team are the guys you know is going to have a good game every game. It's the guys in the middle. You don't know who's going to have a good game and who's not. Those are the ones that you're, you're concerned about. If they have a good game, you win. If they don't, you lose. That's how it works in professional sports because everybody has talent. So the third day is about not about talent. It's about the decision that you make to show up and give your best effort when you least feel like it. So this book, you can get it at thirddaybook.com amazing amazing guy lots lots going on learn from him um, but dre again thank you so much for being on pencil leadership today of course and i guess uh for anywhere else to catch me instagram is probably the one i'm most active on social media my so instagram is just my name dre baldwin one word and i appreciate you having me on chris thank you and thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out 
and B, pencil leaders.